You're listening to Radio Free Edville. It's Edville on the radio for free. I'm Roy Thomas Padgham. It's Friday, February 26th, and this is your Edville Gazette, brought to you in association with News Now Network. Two Canadians to be vaccinated by July. It's a good start, says Federal Minister, but let's not rush things. By Missy Blinkpunk. Sault Ste. Marie. Willis and Tilly Pluck, both 98 years of age and still living in their own home, yesterday became the first Ontario residents not working in healthcare or long-term care to be shortlisted for COVID-19 vaccinations. The couple could hardly contain their enthusiasm because the moment they're no longer at risk of infection, they intend to file for divorce. The pandemic has been hard on older people, Mrs Pluck told the Gazette. We've been isolated from our families, which has been especially difficult for the women, I think. But after a year of lockdown, many of us have come to realise that we are married to someone who drives us batty. That's right, said Mr Pluck. I've always said that the key to a successful marriage is to mostly ignore each other and lead separate lives. But that's impossible now. Some days I look over at Tilly and her lazy boy there, and I can tell she'd rather beat me with a pipe wrench than argue about the thermostat. That's no way to live. Quite right, dear, affirms Mrs Pluck. Like many Canadians, the Plucks are of two minds on the speed and efficiency of the government's vaccine rollout. It's true that the Americans and the Brits and just about everyone else are six months or a year ahead of us, said Mrs Pluck. But that nice Mr Hillier says he's going to set up a telephone hotline so all the seniors can call up and schedule a vaccination. So that'll be nice, won't it? Mr Pluck is not so sure. Tuesday we watched this new Justin and Joe show on the tube. And I got the impression, maybe I'm wrong here, but I got the impression that the two of them are full of crap, he observed. They're all kissy-kissy for the cameras, it's true. But when your closest ally tells you point-blank they won't export so much as a single vaccine dose, well, that's not so friendly, is it? You say that, Mrs Pluck retorted angrily. But how would you know? That nice Mr Trudeau can't be fiddling around all day with vaccines and pipelines and the national debt while he's out there saving the planet and everyone on it. See what I mean, said Mr Pluck, dejectedly. Things have gotten pretty tense around here lately. Mr. Trudeau? Yes, Lisa? I am really, really sorry about our president. Opinion. Farmer. Milkmaids wanted. Only robots need apply. By Edna Farmer. Edville. Well, I have to say right off the top, I'm just not sure about this artificial intelligence people are always talking about nowadays. Whenever Mr. Farmer and I turn our minds to the matter of a Saturday morning, say, when we're slopping the hogs, we tend to agree that there's altogether too much intelligence in the world just now and not nearly enough common sense. Be that as it may, if you haven't been on a farm recently, you might be surprised to hear that AIs and robots and automated gizmos of every kind are making themselves right at home. They're doing most of the drudge work too, which is simply a godsend for stressed farm families, which is all of them. Dairy farmers, for example, are bringing in these newfangled milking robots. The cows love them. When a cow approaches her milking station, she triggers giant rotating brushes that buff her up from nose to tail like she's in an automatic car wash. And while she's standing there doing all this preening and mooing, the robot locates her udders and milks her. No muss, no fuss. 
and no humans required. But the place where the AIs are having their greatest impact is in the bovine boudoir. There's a seven-year-old bull down in Illinois who goes by the name of 7JE5004 River Valley CC Chrome ET, or plain old Chrome for short. And ladies, you'll blush when I tell you, thanks to AI and genomics, and who knows what else, this Jersey stud has just passed the milestone of half a million units of semen produced. That's a lot of cow spunk, by golly. Now, Mr. Farmer has spent a lifetime raising livestock, and he's no stranger to the life of a stud. So I asked him how he thought this celebrity bull was likely getting on. He pondered the matter intently for a couple of minutes and finally said, I'll bet he's tired. No doubt. What with all the new tech down on the farm, it's the farmers who are finally getting a little R&R, and that's definitely progress. Badger. So the county's booming, is it? Careful what you wish for. By Dick Badger. Edville. Okay, by now you're used to me jawing on about how those geniuses down in Prince Edward County are always eating our lunch. What with all the urban hipsters relocating there, and the film crews, and the wine tasting, and real estate prices going totally fucking bananas. But guess what? I've had a revelation. I'm changing my tune. No more, hey, let's get in on the action. Now it's more like, if you want all those so-called benefits of this so-called boom, you're going to have to pay the piper. Or in this case, the dumpster. Here's why. Even though it's the dead of winter, county officials are busy fussing, consulting and amending their bylaws, bracing for the coming summer onslaught like it's Hurricane Hazel. And the issue is garbage. Lots and lots of garbage. Last year, during the tourist season, we suffered greatly with the amount of litter and garbage in the streets, in, I guess, what you would call the tourist areas, lamented one local councillor last week. Gee, that sounds bad. All of a sudden, I'm imagining Picton looks a lot like the Pacific trash vortex. So get this. The county wants to jack up the fine for dumping from $300 to $10,000 for a first offence and up to $50,000 for subsequent offences. And they're going to need that kind of revenue, too, to pay for all the hidden tree cameras they're thinking of installing all over the fucking place to catch the litterbugs. But it gets even better. They're thinking of putting Tim's trucks on the beaches to help deter visitors and residents from leaving the park to visit town. And to combat the awful racket from music and entertainment, they're thinking about installing noise meter systems to help enforce noise reduction regulations. My guess, they're going to need a nerve centre like NORAD to monitor all this surveillance activity and an army of enforcement officers to match. All of a sudden, the county's easy-going summer paradise is starting to look a lot like Amity in Jaws after the shark showed up. So if you're like me and you love the untainted natural beauty and serenity of Greater Edville, you can see where I'm headed here. Best to be well under the radar when all those garbage-dumping, tim-swilling, bar-hopping yahoos start looking for a place to happen. Gazette readers accept it, of course. Let the county deal with them. Take out the trash, Dan. The trash is anything that is keeping you from the only thing that matters. Canada. The Goldfish Invasion by Hugo Blue. Hamilton. Spring 2014. It was a memorable night for Ty's face mare along the Coots Paradise Marsh. It was the night of the goldfish invasion. 
The head of natural lands at Hamilton's Royal Botanical Gardens bore witness to a startling incursion. Platoons of goldfish 30 metres long and 6 metres wide. What were once a few mercifully released house pets had transformed into gleaming battalions. The invasion is in no way unique to Hamilton Harbour, but conditions in the water created opportunity for easy conquest. The goldfish, a.k.a. the cockroach of carp, is capable of feeding off algae other fish cannot, and a big appetite is goldfish standard issue. Furthermore, the goldfish forces encountered little resistance as numbers of rival carp in the area have been exhausted by previous engagements with humans. After years of witnessing the goldfish wars, Mr. Thaismayer notes, purely scientifically, how remarkable it is that any fish can survive in such inhospitable conditions. But he adds ominously that the ultimate solution is fixing the water to support the right kind of fish. Oh dear. Cleaner waters would reinforce the indigenous fish population, probably by giving them nutrients and drone support, thereby enabling them to repel the invaders. This would effectively turn the carp conflict into a proxy war. At least we're bringing this struggle up to modern standards. From the archives, The Unlikely Origins of the Canadian Toonie by Shirley Stickle. Edville. So the other day, I stopped at Rosie's to grab a coffee on my lunch break. And as I was paying, I pulled out a toonie from my coin purse and I thought to myself, jeepers! It's been some time now we've been using these little guys instead of the $2 bill. So I figured when I got back to the library I'd do some investigating in the archives for just how long it's been. Turns out we made the switch from the tiresome $2 bill to the toonie on February 19th, 1996. No wonder my arcane archivist senses were tingling. That's 25 years ago this week. I must be a gosh darn clairvoyant. Even more interesting was the fun little tidbit I found out about how the toonie came to be. Turns out that in the early 90s there was a chap who was getting tired of never winning the 40-pounder of Alberta premium in the loony tosses at the Stag and Doe's. So the frustrated little fella figured if he glued two loonies together, there'd be the weight he needed to get his toonie closest to the big bottle of booze. The next day, when the blushing bride-to-be took all the money from the party to the bank and they saw this toonie, the tellers had a heyday. What a good idea that was, having one coin that represented two loonies. And we wouldn't need that silly $2 bill anymore either. So the manager of the bank called up his buddy who worked at the Mint and he thought it was a swell idea too. Next thing you know, we've got a toonie up here in Canada. The loonie toss has become a toonie toss. And boy, can you see the impact it's had on just how fancy them weddings are now. Not to mention my new favourite addition, the Toonie Bar. It is my pleasure now to propose a toast to the bride and groom. <laughs> These two young people are the full flower of their love. Series. Kids and Geezers are LMAO. Kids Corner. Can 7-Eleven bars save kids? Totally swear this isn't clickbait shit. By Crystal BB Diamonds 16. Brighton. Hey fam, so the piping hot this week's news is gonna yeet you right out of your seat. Yeah. 7 Eleven, you know, the totally sus convenience shop. Well, well, well. 
Turns out some genius in a suit and tie says it's the next hot ticket in bars. So let's be like my pal Buster says and make hay while the sun shines. Can we like go to 7-Eleven for field trips? Yesterday on Zoom in Phys Ed, we had to watch some terrifying woman, Nanny Rekin, who can't put on makeup, cry about saying no to drugs and talk about sad babies. Just take kids to 7-Eleven instead. Because nothing will make kids say no to juicing like seeing an old perv wasted on a Tuesday morning in front of the skin rags rack. And not because he wants the tick-tock clout while the teacher screeches at them, you want to be like this, huh? Do you, punk? As if we even say punk anymore. How un-Gucci is that? Smash that subscribe button and see you next week. Seniors Corner. Boozing while ice fishing? Nah, never happens. By Buster Fogg. Brighton. Well, you know where I stand on these kids today. From where I sit, they don't have the sense God gave Northern Pikes, which is a kind of fish you can catch if you spend the weekend in an ice fishing hut in the dead of the Canadian winter. Now, it's obvious to anyone around here that the pandemic has produced a kind of ice fishing renaissance, if you will, especially amongst the geezer crowd. And this makes total sense, because there's almost nothing else you can do during the pandemic to get out of the house for a full fucking day. Now, there's been a lot of speculation over the years about whether the kind of guys who go ice fishing might have been tempted to bring along a six-pack once in a while. And you've likely heard the rumours that some of the younger aficionados might be thinking to bring in some of that weed Trudeau legalised. Well, I don't believe any of it. Not for a minute. For starters... Cops have been warning people against ice fishing and boozing since people first crossed the land bridge. No ice is safe ice, they say. Which means if there's some kind of mishap in or around your hut and one of your buds accidentally falls through the ice, you're going to have a tough time rescuing the poor bastard if you're pissed drunk or passed out. Everyone knows this. But the main deterrent to ice fishing inebriation is tradition itself. It takes a lot of money, time and self-discipline to spend your weekends freezing your balls off in a little shed, talking the same old shit with the same old guys and gawking at an eight-inch black hole in the ice until you're totally fucking cross-eyed. My missus says ice fishing is like a weekend at the gulag and she'd rather have her tongue stuck to a flagpole. But that's what we love about ice fishing, the camaraderie, the simple austerity, the spiritual purity of the experience. With all that mirth and mindfulness concentrated into such a small space, why would you need alcohol or weed? I can't imagine. Worst idea I've ever heard of my life! Feature, Life in the Man Cave, Jeff Talks Babysitting, by Jeff Mullet Jr. Edville. While March break is in April, I wanted to give everyone a little knowledge that would help them survive any family day type observance on Easter weekend or additional lockdowns. I find more and more I need to babysit the kids because the public school system is unreliable as a childcare provider. If anyone ever told me I'd have to hang out with my kids as much as I have during all this pandemic shit, I might have made other life choices. If you find yourself babysitting, here are some helpful hints to keep you happy and the kids entertained. Tip 1. Popular mechanics for kids. I have a set of old tools that they can use, and I usually let them pull apart this old Acadian I have rusting out at the side of the house. 
They hit it with hammers and try to unscrew screws and use duct tape to tape the doors shut. It's all fun and semi-educational. If you don't have an Acadian lying around, a Chevette will do. Tip two, science fun. The best thing you can do is tell your kids you're going to do a science experiment. I like to set them up with some ice cube trays and tell them we're going to turn a liquid into a solid. So they make some ice. Then I tell them we're going to turn a liquid into a gas and I get them to boil up some hot dogs. And after that, I get them to see what happens when they put condiments on a hot dog bun. You get the idea. They make their own lunch. And I have ice cubes for my smoothies. Tip three, orienteering. An essential part of growing up is exploring the wilderness. I like to tell my kids that they're going orienteering. I take them to Crownland by our place and they march around like it's Lord of the Flies. Don't forget your lawn chair, your tunes and a beer. Gary will sometimes join us and we'll tailgate a bit. When the weather gets better, we get the four-wheelers out. Or the jeeps and mud. It's for the kids. Tip four, hide-and-seek. This game is underrated. We tell our kids to hide and we find them. Then everyone takes a turn. And then at some point, we just stop looking for them and we carry on with our day. Except there was this one time, and Amy will kill me for telling you. But the kids were hiding and seeking, and she had to use the bathroom. Wouldn't you know it, the neighbor's dumbass kid was hiding in the shower. Doesn't he jump out just as Amy's dropped her drawers and scares the literal piss right out of her? Yep, I'm in trouble. So make sure you draw some boundaries or take a look around before you use the john. Tip five, never ever turn off Baby Shark. If you want to survive, you do this before all else. Baby Shark is the most reliable babysitter you'll ever have. Also, Amy just rode over my shoulder and gave me wicked side eye. She's doing it now. She says a parent can't babysit their own kid. It's just called parenting. This one's going in my permanent file. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. World. U.S. Navy patents some mad science by Hugo Blue. Arlington, Virginia. The United States Navy has patented a series of -of out-of-this-world technologies in their ongoing contest with rivals to prove whose imagination is superior. There's a room-temperature superconductor, a compact nuclear fusion device, I'll take two please, and a UFO-like aerospace undersea craft able to engineer the fabric of reality. Pretty neat. The mind behind it all is one Salvatore Caesar Pius. In a series of redacted emails about the patent approval process, Mr. Pius claims to have a demonstrable application of the Pius effect, the theory by which these amazing devices work. Pius says it will be proven one fine day. Also an excellent title for his autobiography. Perhaps he has a time machine as well. It's unclear if the mysterious Pius is the actual author in those emails, but an Amazon user named Salvatore Caesar Pius, PhD, left an encouraging five-star review of Herman D. Froning Jr.'s The Halicon Years of Air and Space Flight, years before Pius's patents were filed. It's got to be him, right? His work has been dubbed by some as the UFO patents. Odd, considering patents are meant to ensure property rights. Was there an epidemic of crashed alien crafts I missed? Don't answer that. Despite the suspicion of otherworldly influence, private enterprise does seem to be following suit, with recent projects revealed at MIT involving similar electromagnetic technologies. 
keep an eye out for Amazon book reviews with future updates. The Bonds of Love by Hedy Bunt Ukraine I don't want to be judgy, but I can't help but wonder what the heck is going on in the heads of a young Ukrainian couple who have chained themselves together for three months as a test of their love. Far be it for me to label anyone, but I'd have to say that these two are a little short in the marbles department. Sources say the National Register of Records in the Ukraine checked and confirmed that the couple was sane before agreeing to supervise their romantic experiment. So there's that. But the mind reels at the logistics of this experience. For those of you wondering, yes, they will remain tethered for sleeping, bathing, and even going to the toilet together. Now, if that isn't a relationship killer, I don't know what is. I'll admit that I'm no stranger to the pleasure that can be found in bondage, but only during sexy time in the bedroom, not 24-7. If they'd asked me, I'd have recommended using something like my hot pink furry cuffs in place of the cold steel links. My cuffs have a secret release, but still look like they mean business. Side note, they came with my beat-me-eat-me licorice whip. The taste that leaves its mark. What I'm saying is, All this is fun until it isn't, and you really need to be able to set free easily and quickly when you decide it's time. You don't want to have to search out a professional with metal cutters to remove the chains. Needless to say, the two young Ukrainians are documenting their time together on social media, already having posted about a harrowing bathroom trip shocking the attendant, and they're finding that day-to-day life takes a lot of planning and cooperation. I guess if that's the lesson they take away from this, good for them. While the couple may be confident about their ability to last three months chained to each other, their big adventure has attracted doubters and bookies. In fact, people on Ukrainian social media are betting on the number of days they will stay together before giving up. Then again, maybe they'll be successful. As we Germans like to say, Liebe und windet alles. Love conquers all. I'm Roy Thomas Pagem, and this has been your Edville Gazette for Friday, February 26th. Join us again next week. The NewsNow Network is a fiercely independent news magazine serving the residents, businesses and civic organisations of Northumberland County. It is supported by local advertisers and free to readers. Visit newsnownetwork.ca.